I'm Jack Cushman, and this is the Business of Innovation podcast. This week's guest is Dave McClure, the founder of Accelerator and Investment Fund 500 Startups. Now, yes, at face value, the ingredients of 500 Startups are similar to any other investment fund. There is an investment fund with a lot of money that seeks to find the best emerging businesses, and in exchange for some equity, startups will be put through their rigors in an intensive accelerator program that harnesses an expansive network of some of the most amazing business minds in the game. Although with 500 startups, there is a slight difference. Uh, we want people who are going to hustle and work hard. We're not a typical VC fund that you know, talks to a thousand companies but invests in one or two and then goes and plays golf. We're going to talk to a thousand companies, invest in 20 to 50 or more per person, per year, and we're going to bust our asses to find the best companies we can. That difference is Dave McClure, the t-shirt sporting, flip-flop wearing venture capitalist who is more or less the exact opposite of your typical VC. And here is what he thinks about entrepreneurs failing. I think you just need to face the fact that you're in a high-risk business where most things don't work. I think you need to be realistic about trying to solve problems that matter, uh, whether people pay you to solve those problems or whether you get other amounts of visibility or eyeballs that you know can later translate into economic benefit. Um, I think most of it's around like finding your inner passion for solving problems and connecting that with a user or customer base that you know, will pay for those problems being solved. As many of you will know, it's no secret that entrepreneurs fail. And this number is so high that the world was pretty shocked when a Harvard Business School lecturer, Shikhar Ghosh, proclaimed in the Wall Street Journal that as many as 75% of venture-backed businesses fail and never return money back to their investors, with 30 to 40% of these companies having to liquidate all of their assets and actually losing their investors' money altogether. And this problem, McClure believes, comes from both sides of the spectrum, which he explained on stage at Startup Istanbul in late 2015. Yes, most of us, I include myself in this, actually both an entrepreneur and an investor, we're clueless, at least when we're first starting out, usually we don't know what we're doing. Uh, and really, that's actually kind of a good thing, because if we knew what we were doing, we would probably never become an entrepreneur. There's a lot of downsides to starting a business. Uh, what's needed, we, we like to have mentorship, we like to have people who've gone through it before. Unfortunately, a lot of the people who are investing haven't necessarily gone through it before. They might have been successful in other types of businesses, but they may not have internet entrepreneurship experience, they may not have expertise in a lot of the areas that you may need. Um, and there's lots of talented engineers all over the world, um, but there's still growth in product management, design and user, uh, usability, user experience. And most importantly, what I think is really lacking is a, a lack of attention to online marketing, analytically driven marketing, or growth hacking as the terms come. Uh, again, this is changing as you have a first generation of entrepreneurs that have wins and have exits. The employees and teams at those companies start their own companies. Those first generation winners become mentors. Hopefully they become investors as well. So there you have it. Entrepreneurs really do need mentors. They'll spend hundreds of hours raising funds from angel and venture capital investors. And whilst these activities are clearly important, analysis of new data on startups suggests that founders should also dedicate significant time to something that many people overlook and that is recruiting great mentors. This simple strategy can increase a company's odds of success more than almost anything else. And mentors often take the form of investors, although Dave thinks that these investors need to start looking further afield than what is currently on their doorstep. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think most investors right now in Silicon Valley are externally facing. More of them may be looking at things that happen in India and China and Europe and a few of them might be looking at things that happen in Latin America, Southeast Asia, Africa, Middle East. 
Uh, for better or for worse, a lot of people in Silicon Valley look for stuff that's right around their doorstep in Silicon Valley, and there's a lot of great companies that are within you know 20 miles of people on Sand Hill Road or Soma in San Francisco. Uh, we think that there's a lot of really talented entrepreneurs all over the world, and that you know 6.7 billion people don't live in the U.S., and there's going to be a lot of value created outside the U.S. Uh, if we want to invest in those businesses, I think we need to be on the ground, speaking the language, you know, be part of the culture, and understand who are those smart people and what problems are they trying to solve. Um, so that's not easy to do from Silicon Valley. I think a third of our team is now spread across 17 or 18 countries. We're about 100 people. You know, if things go well, I imagine we'll probably double that within the next year or two. Um, so we're starting to look like a very different type of company than a traditional Silicon Valley VC fund. So, as Dave explained, the majority of investors tend to look for the best talent that's on their doorstep. But what about the VC funds and investors who perhaps already are taking a more global approach? Dave believes, as he explains from the startup Istanbul stage, that these investors give a pretty terrible deal to entrepreneurs in emerging markets. And he's got an interesting message to them. So, you know, typical terms in a lot of emerging markets, you know, are like, I want half your company for $50,000 or 70% of your company for a couple hundred thousand dollars. You know, it's not really that they're evil, at least most of them. Uh, it's just that there's not much supply for all the demand. Um, there's not very many investors in a lot of emerging markets. Uh, in Silicon Valley and in Beijing, that's not really the case. There are lots of investors. Uh, and there's also been a history of exits in Silicon Valley that lead those investors to become greedy and they have a fear of missing out. Um, but in a lot of emerging markets, there's just clearly more uh, you know, demand than there is supply. Um, and there's no, there's no urgency. There's, no lack, there's not very much competition. And investors can afford to wait. They can afford to give you shitty terms, low valuations, not make investments at all, and you will still talk to them. In Silicon Valley, if investors behave that way, we generally ostracize them when we don't talk to them, and we tell other founders about them, and then they don't get any deals. And so bad behavior in Silicon Valley, or at least that kind of evil and term sheet behavior, is not rewarded if you want to be an investor on an ongoing basis. In emerging markets, unfortunately, you gotta, you gotta suck it up. You gotta take what's available to you as a founder. Uh, if you don't like those terms, then you know, run a cash flow based business, borrow money from your mom, from other friends and family if you can. Uh, but it's gonna be challenging. Um, I will say, as you see exits in markets, those conditions tend to change. So uh, big exits like Yemex Petty certainly are optimistic for the future for things to change. Uh, one thing I will ask investors is please stop asking for business plans and revenue projections. Uh, there's a lot of people who think that business plans are the source of a great business. I tend to disagree with them. I think that actual functional products and growth strategies are what are useful to build big businesses and great founders, of course. Uh, but I'd rather see expense projections than revenue projections. At least you might not be lying to me about spending money. Um, and I really want to see more marketing plans, not so much business plans. And by marketing plans, what I really just mean is test cases on how to acquire customers and some proof about how those marketing plans work. Not just the plans themselves, but the actual campaigns. Maybe some online search campaigns, maybe some other things that have brought in customers. Uh, again, wins and exits are what is going to create fear of missing out, and that's what's going to create more investors, and hopefully as more competition occurs, those terms get less crappy. 
Now, investing in as many companies as 500 startups do is obviously great, but they have a smallish team of around 100, and this is never going to be easy. So if you take a look at the traditional VC model, after a venture capitalist has invested in a company, they will usually take a seat on the board, and here they'll try and provide as much value as possible to the company. McClure, however, is not so keen on this approach. Traditional standpoint of sitting on boards being the only way to provide value is kind of outdated. I think um, there's lots of different ways that you can scalably provide value to portfolio companies. Some of that is based on people's time, and so we do have a large team. Uh, we run accelerator programs that are very hands-on for a period of three to six months with our companies. We try and keep the staff to team ratios fairly low. Um, we do a lot of conferences and education that's both physical and online, and we webcast a lot of our events you know, globally. Um, we do a lot of customer acquisition and distribution consulting with our companies. We have about 15 people on the staff who do just that. Um, we'll probably have 25 to 30 people next year who do that. Um, there's also just a network effect of having a large number of portfolio company founders and mentors. You know, in that sense, the more investments we do, the more value is created for that community, at least the ones that identify as 500 and are willing to you know, provide peer-based um, coaching, advice, or support. So Dave most definitely doesn't believe in taking the approach of a typical VC. So I'll leave you with a little piece of advice from him where he goes into detail on the approach he took that helped him become the investor he is today, which he explained on stage at Startup Istanbul in late 2015. Uh, another thing that's a challenge is that sometimes a very simple bet on real estate has a much higher return than startups with a lower failure profile. In fact, in many emerging markets, investing in a real estate play is probably just an index bet on the overall country's growth and a simpler way to get access to that growth than startups. So startups are not real estate. Let me emphasize that again. Startups are not real estate. If you're a real estate investor expecting real estate returns, do not invest in startups because most of them are going to fail. So why invest in startups at all? Well, occasionally a few startups do well, and some of those do really well. And so while you might get 10, 20, 30% returns in the real estate market, and occasionally even more than that, you're gonna have some bumps in the real estate market at some point. Uh, and startups, aside from just being you know, an interest in innovation and job creation, do have economic returns that in the aggregate are interesting. Uh, I'm not going to suggest that your startup is going to be the next unicorn, but in the aggregate, hopefully if we create more startups, a few of them will become large. But returns are highly asymmetric for startups. So as an investor, thinking about building a portfolio approach and not just investing in one or two startups, but hopefully thinking about investing in 10 or 20 or more, maybe even the number 500 perhaps might come to mind. Building a large portfolio is probably the best way to figure out how you might actually get reasonable returns from startups. Now, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this week, but I'd like to thank you very much for listening. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, I implore you to head over to www.hottopics.ht for more content just like this.